Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. So this panel is called Star Wars Counseling. Um, I'm going to start by introducing myself, then I'll introduce the panelists, then I'll introduce a little bit more about exactly what we're doing at this panel. Uh, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm a comedian and a writer. I do writing for riff tracks and a bunch of other things. I perform around uh, conventions and around the country in general. Uh, and I have always been a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, I have a Star Wars podcast that I co-host called Force Center. It's actually a podcast feed, so we have a bunch of different shows on it. Uh, Four Center is our main show. 
then do a show called Databank Brawl, which is basically we take some obscure Star Wars characters and then we make them fight for our own amusement. Uh, and a thing that has been coming up as we've been doing this podcast is that I often end up talking my other co-hosts in the podcast around to feeling a little bit better about things in Star Wars that bum them out. Uh, so when I was looking for panels to do here at Dragon Con, I thought, I'm going to try to see if at all possible I can get some friends together and I can try to make people feel better about the strange little Star Wars things that bother them. Uh, so we're going to get to that in just a moment, but first we are going to introduce our panelists. Uh, starting right here, we have Mr. Ken Plume. Yay! <laughs> Ken, tell the people who you are and what you do. Uh, I am a uh, podcaster, uh, a bit of a chat with Ken Plume. I do the Ken P.D. Snidecast with Dana Snyder, uh, writer, producer, animation, uh, and, and just, just an all-around person. <laughs> Ken is a human being. Another human being <laughs> is Mr. Hal Lublin. Hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Hal Lublin. I'm a cast member of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, and welcome to Night Vale and Venture Brothers and Mighty Magiswords. I also host two podcasts of my own. We got this with Mark and Hal and Tights and Fights, both of which are on the Maximum Fun Network. And the first movie I ever saw in a theater was Empire Strikes Back. So I've been closely linked to Star Wars my entire life. I'm looking forward to some help. <laughs> <laughs> and Audrey Kearns. Yay. Come on. I'm the founder and publisher of GeekGirlAuthority.com, a geek culture, pop culture website. I'm also a writer, and I <coughs> produce and co-produce and co-founded the podcast Five Truths and a Lie. I also have the podcast Kneel Before Odd, which is an interview podcast, and Booze and Phasers, where we drink and talk about Star Trek. <laughs> and sometimes uh, uh, I kiss your husband on that podcast. We did a live show yesterday, and you and the that he worked out a scene where you were Riker, mm -hmm. and my husband out there was Janeway, yeah. and you fell in love and kissed. It was my own little Star Trek counseling, so I feel ready for Star Wars counseling. Uh, the other thing I forgot to mention is that I have a comedy album that's all about Star Wars called Rebel Scum, and I've got some copies here today, so if you enjoy the panel and you'd like to hear more comedy Star Wars stuff from me, uh, I will be standing over there after the end of the panel if you are interested in one of those. So uh, with that out of the way, we're going to talk about how we're going to do this. So um, what's going to happen is... You are going to state your grievance, and then we will do our very best to try to give you a perspective in which you can feel about it. So we will try to find the certain point of view that makes your Star Wars bad feelings into good feelings. Uh, now, we do want specific things, so you can't just be like, here's the movie I don't like, because that's a lot to handle. So we're looking for like specifics, like... Uh, not just, oh, I didn't like Attack the Clones, like, I really don't like that sand line, that the scene where he compares a woman's body to not sand. <laughs> it's difficult for me. How can I feel better about that? Uh, another example would be that uh, you expected Captain Phasma to have a larger role in The Force Awakens, uh, and then she did not. Uh, or you can get really pedantic. Here's a fun pedantic example. Uh, in the cantina scene in Episode 4, A New Hope, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, cuts off Pondababa, or Walrus Man's arm, and it's bloody when the lightsaber should cauterize it. Why? 
So you can come to us with pedantic things like that. So those are some examples, a little bit more specific. Uh, if you're interested in bringing your Star Wars grievance, in just a moment, feel free to start lining up. First, we're, I'm going to take grievances from the panelists. I'm going to try to make them feel better, and then we will take your questions. Here we go. Panelists, which one of you would like to bring your grievance to I'll the go. table first? I'll go ahead and go All right. first because it's a grievance I've had uh, for 35 years. Um, and I've told this to you, Joseph, uh, I think a couple times, but you've never offered counseling, so this is actually wonderful. Was I just tight-lipped like an asshole? Just no, like... you laughed in my face. Oh, did I really? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, like any good therapist will. Any... <laughs> Very supportive. So, um, I'm of the generation that saw the original trilogy in the theater, and so the Christmas following, <laughs> we get our Luke and Leia dolls, me and my sister, and we didn't know much about sex, we just knew that two bodies came together, so we took our Luke and Leia dolls, and we were constantly making them go like this, and like this, and kissing, and because that's what we thought sex was, and then, a few years later, after doing this for many years, we find out that they're siblings, mm -hmm. and that was incredibly upsetting, because we spent so much time creating the world where they fell in love and then rubbed their plastic bodies together. What specifically is your grievance? Um, that, that you they, don't want them to be siblings? That, I, that it, basically my sister and I created an incestuous relationship okay. between two people and it's kind of stuck with me for a long time. Granted, the next Christmas we did get our six million dollar man doll and our bionic woman doll so we're able to... Foursome. Yeah, exactly. Change the foursome around and Luke and Leia didn't touch anymore. Okay, I, I, I have some follow-up questions. I feel uh, like I'm a dirty person. It was the no. 70s. Uh, yeah, I have some follow-up <laughs> questions real quick. So when you say dolls, do you mean you had like the 12-inch yes, uh, action figures? Not, yeah, bigger than the Barbie there. And when you rubbed them together, did you take their clothing off? Yes. <laughs> it was the 70s. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Uh, sure. I remember that the 12-inch Leia had hair that you could style. There were like three or four different suggested styles on the box. So after one of those sessions, would the hair be all messed up? And then you'd have to find a new style for it? Well, in the movies that we were able to sneak watching that were on TV that my parents didn't know about, uh, we thought that you were supposed to have your hair down when you had sex. So Leia's hair was just always... Oh. Okay, I think I think there are so the the doll rubbing is very distracting because uh, uh, that's just really all I want to talk about. But that's not your actual grievance because <laughs> I feel like I could address like the were you upset that you couldn't actually physically figure out how to make them mate? No, no. but no. that's what. It, but what you're upset about is that you feel like you were introduced to an idea that Luke and Leia would have a romantic relationship, and then bam. They're yeah. siblings. Did you feel, still feel like a romantic relationship was viable when you saw The Empire Strikes Back? Or did you already feel like, I shouldn't have been rubbing Luke and Leia together, I should have been rubbing Han and Leia together? No, I wasn't uh, quick on the uptake then, no. No, we, we still had the dolls. We didn't have a Han doll, so we worked with what we had. $6 million man. We were living in, in, in Hong Kong at the time, so we had very limited uh, resources. $6 million man is a poor man's Han Solo, oh, yeah. for sure. Uh, <laughs> So here, here, I think for the whole incestuous thing, when we've been led down the path of like there's going to be a romance, I think there's a couple different ways to look at it. I think, personally, I just like to embrace our ignorance and realize that both Luke and Leia had this ignorance too, and that they realized immediately that they had a connection and that they wanted to express it, and that uh, Luke certainly knows nothing about romance. Uh, <laughs> he had to get all of his sexual frustration out by bullseye and womp rats. <laughs> He has no idea about sexual mores, so he just thinks this is, this is a way to 
be close to this other person. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they had a little bit of an awkward talk yeah. about like, wow, that was it. So that's one way to look at it. Another certain point of view I like to think is that uh, social and sexual mores are just different in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> So and it's no forgive, big. That can forgive just about anything, then. Yeah, that, that just a little peck on the cheek is no big deal. As long as there isn't full tongue, it's fine for siblings. Do, do you think that maybe Lucas could have given us like just a three-minute scene where they looked at each other and it's like, oh, my God, that's so gross, you know, or something so that we at least know? Because they seem so fine with it. They're like, ah. Yeah. I think... I had a, I had a feeling you were my brother. You don't taste anything like a womp rat. <laughs> Here is where I think our little tiny bit of catharsis is, and I think okay. it is less than a second. Okay. Uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi, on Endor, when Han is willing to back off of his romance with Leia because he thinks that she's in love with Luke, mm -hmm. and she says, no, you don't understand, he's my brother, and then several emotions pass through his face very quickly. <laughs> And if you pause for just a second, it's like, you kissed him pretty heavy back on Hoth. But that's not the most important thing right now. So I'm just going to have my, you know, cockeyed grin, and then I'm going to go in for the kiss and be happy that your siblings works out for me. All right. You've helped me a great deal. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Hal and Ken, who would like to go next? I'll, I'll jump in. All right. Come, come at so, me, bro. I, first of all, let me say I'm not going to accept... The answer that I can go watch the original editions of the of the original trilogy anytime I want. So I'm taking that off the table. I want I want you to work for this. Okay, so, so let me pause here because this is a good time to to say something I think will, will affect the whole panel. Is sure. I accept that I'm not going to be able, and we together working together are not always going to be able to bring people to the light side. <laughs> There's a certain point where you you know you try to bring Anakin back, and sometimes you just have to cut off his limbs and let him burn in a lake of fire. <laughs> Are you, are you conceding failure now? Uh, see, I'm trying to be very Jedi like this, and a Jedi would accept, I might fail. I'm going to try really hard, and then if it doesn't work out, I'm going to cut your hand off. <laughs> and then if that doesn't work, I'm just going to cut off your limbs and walk away, because there's nothing else I can do. I tried. He was All your right. brother, Hal. <laughs> um, okay, uh, my problem is with the special edition theatrical releases, specifically Return of the Jedi, Okay. Uh, for me, one of the most important characters in, in the, the Star Wars saga overall is the music. And the, the wonderful thing about that original trilogy as it was original, originally released was that you get an idea of what they feel futuristic music is, but it's also very much a time capsule of when the film was made. And I think that's very charming, and I think it's also an interesting part of the film that, that didn't need to, to be changed. And specifically, in Jabba's Palace, when Sice Noodles and the Max Rebo uh, band play their song, which I don't know the name of. Lopty Neck? Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I only, well, not only at Dragon Con. Um, <laughs> but that, that number in particular being changed to that weird... Uh, the new ball. one is called Jedi Rocks. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the title of it. Um, <laughs> You have to accept the darkness to make it through to that the light. Singing hairball that's got like saliva flying out of his mouth. Yeah. And, and he's in, it's just uh, a nightmare, like a waking nightmare, to the point where if I think of that scene, it's that there are like two images trying to shove each other out of the way for dominance in my brain. And it's, it's upsetting to me that, the, that, that those re releases came at a time where I was desperate to see those movies in the theater again. So, um, 
what the fuck? <laughs> uh, let me say, I understand your pain. I feel your pain. I understand where you're coming from. What was your uh, physical reaction when this came? You didn't know it was coming. You're in the theater in 1997. You see this new music. Uh, did you hold yourself? Did you weep? Did you scream out? Did you curse George Lucas? What happened physically to you? Uh, I was watching, and, and um, this is uh, going to be great for your audio recording, but I'll, I'll show you physically what my reaction was as, I, as it was on. So imagine this scene's about to happen. I think you'll know when the song starts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> it was sort of like that. Okay, okay. Uh, 
you really captured the, the look on your face as though your testicles actually reascended up into your body. Yeah, one of them's still up there. <laughs> I call it Rogue One. <laughs> Strangely, I think this song is actually about testicles since it's called Jedi Rocks. Yep. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Rogue One. Okay, here, I was actually thinking about this uh, literally yesterday. Uh, I agree with you that there is this uh, great delicate balance of Star Wars where it should always feel like a galaxy far, far away, where you need sort of relatable things that are from our real world, like uh, music, or you need people to sell things, or you need drinks, or you need, like, just how does the universe function? Uh, so the music was one of the things that was handled really well because it sounded a little old-timey, from, di divorced from the modern. And then I think the reason that the Jedi Rocks was really offensive to a lot of people is that it felt like an MTV video, and the music feels like big and bold and brassy and not like this thing that's from a galaxy far, far away, but like I could turn on MTV and I, I, like this is a Tone Loke video from, you know, 1989. This is horrible. Um, but here's, here's the, the way that I was feeling better about it just yesterday. So I think one of the really powerful things about Star Wars is that George Lucas successfully mashes up this, the very old with very new, exciting ideas. So if you look at A New Hope, it is built on all of these very old ideas of myth and, uh, and uh, even the characters, everything is about a past generation and about learning about their lineage, so you have this deep connection to the past. But then all of these images and sounds and aliens are exciting and new. And even when people have a problem with The Force Awakens, it's because there's not enough new. So I feel like the magic is, of Star Wars is the perfect balance of the very old and the new. And I think what George Lucas was trying to do is he said, oh, I've been very successful at this. How far can I push this relationship between the old and the new? And I, I forgive George Lucas for doing some of the things in this special edition because he's experimenting with the elasticity of how far can I make the new be actually new so it makes it resonate more with the old. How is your testicle? <laughs> I feel like I've felt heartburn, but I haven't had anything acidic, so maybe it's moving. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be positive. I, I, I guess I uh, have always thought of it, particularly because of, of the stuff he did with The New Hope, that he was going back and trying to fix what he felt was a flawed film. However, looking at, looking at it through the lens of experimentation, I still wildly disapprove. Yeah. But at least I have a better uh, understanding of why... Uh, such a grievous, <coughs> terrible error for which I demand a personal apology. And I know he's not busy right now, so he could hop a, a plane or whatever TIE fighter drone he flies around on <coughs> down to L.A. to apologize. He's to actually me. here right now. <laughs> uh, I don't see him crawling in here. The only uh, other thing I can... The only other thing I can offer is that uh, some of those annoying musicians were probably on the sale barge when it blew up, if that makes you feel a little better. <laughs> Much better, thank you. <clears throat> All right, Ken, hit me with something nice and specific. Uh, well, this is something that mm. when I originally watched the film... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to pause you for just a second. Oh, so Ken, Ken is the last person on the panel, so if you have questions, feel free to start lining up during Ken's question here. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, it's not a problem. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> There's some damaged people here. 
Maybe I should have instituted the sixth rule of two. <laughs> All right. All right, Ken. Uh, not a problem I had when I originally saw the film. Uh, even though I'm the same age as how uh, my first film in the theater was Popeye, my uh, first Star Wars film in the theater was Return of the Jedi. Okay. I did not have this issue then, but as I've matured, based on what your premise is, the certain point of view <laughs> yes. aspect of Obi-Wan, and the older you get realizing just what a jerk he is to everyone for no discernible reason. Oh, okay. Oh. There's, there's no rational reason he withholds the information he does. Oh, no. Oh, oh, this, let me know when you're done, because this one's good. <laughs> Joseph, do you want to get to the back of that line? <laughs> no, I Guys, it's based... Okay, so... Oh, I have... You know, oh, he's my father. Oh, you know, shit happens. Uh, I think I have, you're paraphrasing I have, there. I have a sister. Oh, you know, that shit happens, too. <laughs> Uh, why didn't you tell me any of this? Huh? Mm-hmm. It's kind of true what I told you, I guess, maybe. No, okay. So. so my issue is specifically with Obi-Wan and his withholding of information. And uh, in that as you uh, become an adult and go back and look and go, he's really a useless character who accomplishes very little, ultimately, for me. You can all line up if you have problems with me as well. <laughs> I was okay with everything until Obi-Wan Kenobi is useless. Uh, yeah. Well, he also did leave Anakin alive. Well, yes, but now, now you're bringing up a second issue, which okay. uh, and somebody might bring that up. And if not, we'll I didn't want to I did, I did, I didn't draw the prequels into it. Uh, okay. So we'll, we'll leave it at the okay. original trilogy yeah, so, of Obi-Wan. So your, your essential question is you are not okay with his equivocation of saying half-truths. Okay, so here's the thing. It has now become canon that this is his character. There is a great line. If you've watched the uh, Clone Wars animated series, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you, you meet a former love interest of Obi-Wan Kenobi named Duchess Satine. When we meet her, she introduces Obi-Wan Kenobi to a bunch of other people, and she says, please allow me to introduce you to the collection of half-truths and hyperbole that is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And like, damn! <laughs> it's canon. That's who he is. So I think there is, we actually just did a whole episode uh, on, about this on our podcast that I, I think is going to come out this Tuesday. Um, so I think that when he is doing the half-truths with Luke in A New Hope, that is very calculated. And it is one of the things that lines up very, very well with the prequels, because Alec Guinness is an amazing actor. When, uh, when Luke asks him about his father, Obi-Wan has that moment of consideration, and then he's like, I'm going to lie well, to this little bastard. And no, watch, watch Alec Guinness's face. It is the face of, to use an earthly example, of a very young child has a pet that they love, and the pet has died in a horrific way, and then the child comes to the parent and says, why isn't the dog here? So he, he went, makes, to, the, he went he, to the Jedi farm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He makes that face of like, well, I could say the dog was run over, then backed over, and then lit on fire. But instead I'll just say, I chopped this is off. no longer, this dog wasn't happy here anymore, so he gave him to some people who live on the farm. I think it's very calculated. It is very, very rational. It's very specific. He knows that Luke can't handle this information. It is way too much baggage. Luke just found out that the force exists at all. It is way too much to dump on this guy. So, so and, he's treating him as a simple child? No, not a simple child. I think he is treating him with, like, this is, in Obi-Wan's perspective, you can believe he's a jerk. I don't have a problem with that. 
you can, uh, I don't think he's a jerk, but I'm not going right. to try to change your mind on that. But that it is not very purposeful and a part of his character that should be cherished and enjoyed. That part I disagree with you on. I think that he is giving him exactly the amount of information he needs. I think it is a part of Obi-Wan's character is being a little, uh, a little selfish, too. And I think for him, he want, he's been waiting for just the force to, uh, to let it happen that Luke comes to him. Mm-hmm. And it is finally time to tell Luke some stuff. So I think he's been waiting for this forever. So he wants this to go well. He wants some redemption. He wants to train Luke well, and he wants to give him just enough information to start him on the path correctly and not just overwhelm him. And like, now look, if you're like a lady, now don't fall in love with her because, and if you do, then don't do, don't make a deal with this. this. thing about sand. Let me tell you this line. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Would you want him to tell that? Like, now when you look around the sands of Tatooine, do they make you think of a woman or not? Uh, like, because if they do, you might fall to the dark side. Like, yeah. And what he tells him is true. It's absolutely true from a certain point of view. And it is a romant. Everything he says is true from a romanticized point of view. Like when Obi-Wan Kenobi says, when I first met your father, I was amazed at what a gifted pilot he was. I knew he was a gifted pilot, but I was amazed by how strong the force flowed through him. That's this very rosy version of, I had to basically crash land on Tatooine uh, my mentor found your father. He was an amazing pilot, and I was kind of annoyed by him. <laughs> so you can, I, I love interpreting it as a slightly selfish version where Obi-Wan's like, I was kind of a dick, so I'm not going to tell Luke that. I, could, I happened to meet your father, and he was a great pilot. <laughs> and everything he says back Your sister's like really hot. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if I made you feel any better, but I think everything that Obi-Wan does, there, there is reason to it. It works. I, I, I think from your certain point of view, you have made me feel better. All right. But I do have one question. And I'll okay, leave it. and then we've got to get to that. Do you consider then uh, Obi-Wan to be a flawed Jedi? Uh, that hyperbole and half-truths as a vital part of his character, a core part of his character. No, I think that he, I think from a certain point of view, it is uh, manip- manipulative and shifty. I think from another point of view, a Jedi is supposed to be open to looking at things from all perspective. You're not supposed to be overly dogmatic. You're supposed to be open to like, well, what is this? I'm going to listen for a while. What is this person's perspective? What is that person's perspective? Oh, I can see that maybe they're kind of saying the same thing if you look at it that way. I think there's a, like, an interpretation of that attitude that's like, very positive and open of I'm trying to see things from everybody's perspective so I can make the best choice. I forgive him. Oh, yay. <laughs> All right, so uh, once we start taking questions here, uh, panelists, I, I encourage you to weigh in. I would like you to try to uh, help me help them. And don't just <laughs> agree, yeah, you're right, it's terrible. <laughs> All right, you know, what's your name and what's your grievance? Uh, my name is Kristen. Uh, you, you already brought up this question as an example, but it really does bother me. Captain Phasma was the, the woman warrior that I was waiting for. Yeah. And she just put down a trash compactor. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So there are two things that make me feel a little bit better about it, and I'll start with the lame one first and the better one second. Uh, The not lame. I think that there is a long tradition in Star Wars of a, a character who looks really cool being put really front in the advertising. Like, going all the way back to the uh, original trilogy, you know, you could order Boba Fett, and everybody's like, who's Boba Fett? Well, he's a guy who's going to stand there with a gun. <laughs> and he's going to say a few mostly administrative things, like, put him over there. Uh, 
could you charge my debit card, Lord Vader? Like, I mean, <laughs> Boba Fett doesn't do anything in Empire Strikes Back, and we worshipped him for 30 years. So uh, for, for the, like, oh, man, there wasn't enough Phasma, I always think, like, you know, Phasma was Boba Fett. That's pretty cool. So, uh, so there's that perspective. And then I think that the thing that makes me really happy is that we've got two more movies, and there's no way that Phasma is done. And there's no way that I think Gwendolyn Christie stays under the helmet forever when you have that uh, phenomenal of an actor. I think they're for sure going to use her. And there's a part of me that thinks it was cool that the helmet didn't come off because it makes it so, like, you don't need to be like, surprise, hair shake, I'm a woman. It's just like, no, she's doing her business. <laughs> she's in her armor. Yeah. Uh, is that, yeah, Hal? I just want to add, I'm, I, I've, from what I've read, she's confirmed for more films. So mm-hmm. She has not gone away. I also think for a character that interesting in a film where they had to cover so much that even though she got... The fact that she was humiliated and thrown down a garbage compactor, I think could, in, in the right storyteller's hands, take her from a character who's, who's all about maintaining order among her troops to going rogue in search of revenge on a former trainee or brainwashed yeah. person of hers who's humiliated her. And... and and very easily. So I think that, I mean, Finn doesn't really have a lot to do now outside of, like, figure out who he is and maybe, you know, try and get BB-8 to accept him as a friend. <laughs> so from a, from a filmmaking and storytelling perspective, even though she's not in it a lot, I think she could be set up to, to grow and evolve as, as a, a more threatening villain further on down the line. I'd like him to have like a featurette that's just only available on YouTube where it's five minutes of her in the garbage compactor. Oh, yeah. And how she gets out. I would like, I'd pay for that. Yeah. What an amazing kick ass adventure. That's where you see the true warrior. Yeah. This is my favorite ridiculous fan theory, and then we'll, we'll move to the next question, is that uh, the reason that Phasma is in the trash chute is that uh, that's where Han's body ended up when it fell. And she got his body out there and got him back to life. Uh, I, mean, it's I don't think Han's. Uh, I, did, did we, do we make you feel even a little bit better? Yeah. Just a little bit. Excellent. I'll take it. Thank you very much. What is your name in grievance? Uh, my name is Katie, and my grievance is screw Disney so hard for canceling the Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I empathize with that. Uh, I think, and I, I, and I agree that it was really great to see Anakin is truly like this kind older brother and in, in somebody who. It's who, also really great to see Qui Gon all the time. Qui Gon? Is he in Clone Wars too? Uh, he pops up a couple times. Yeah. Right, he pops up a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a Qui-Gon doll that, if you want to rub it on anything, I do. It's a little disturbing, though, because the doll really looks like Jesus. Like, the doll extra looks like Jesus. Um, you got the extra Jesus version? I got the extra Jesus Qui-Gon Jinn, yeah. Um, so, I, I think the thing that makes me feel better is that as Rebel, like, when Rebels first started, I wasn't sure about it, because it was very, very Disney-fied. It was just sort of like, ooh, Chopper's a, a naughty robot, we'll shake our fists. Uh, but as it's continued, it's getting darker and darker, and it's <laughs> turning into sort of like Clone Wars Rescue, where a lot of... 
But wouldn't you rather have table scraps than nothing? Like now, now. And they brought back Ahsoka, which is. They brought back Ahsoka. Would Would it feel better if we went with sort of the forgive Disney because of the business logistics issue? Now I don't know how much Joseph you've heard about this. what I had heard about uh, the issue with Clone Wars is that there was a pre-existing deal with Cartoon Network that affected that they would not have been able, Disney, when they acquired it, to immediately launch into anything new, that that specific property was tied up with Cartoon Network. So in order to get a new show off the ground, right when they wanted to get it off to have something launched, they had to launch something new. It couldn't be exactly Clone Wars. They could start bringing elements in, and then they also wanted to have the idea of moving it closer to a period that they wanted yeah. to explore that was different. So it wasn't that Disney didn't, oh, I hate Clone Wars, we want something new and childish. It was, there were business things at play as well. So I think maybe forgive them from that point of view as well, that it wasn't any vindictive thing against Clone Wars. Here, 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 go ahead, and then I'll try another thing. I, uh, yeah, so this is called Star Wars counseling. Disney counseling is a whole other thing. I can't, I can't even begin to help you with that. I mean, That's over the it's a problem. Uh, but I will say, I think the, the, the real quality of Clone Wars, I think even for some Star Wars fans, it was kind of a sleeper that, that people didn't know how awesome it is. I think the fact that it did have to end, Rebels came and had a different vibe, but now is using the characters and using some of that, I think at, at least there's a little bit of a silver lining where people are going to become more aware of Clone Wars really respect it, and I think have uh, more respect for the prequel era because of it. Uh, I, I still think it's like, you know, chocolate over pants and Pagadaba, but... <laughs> right. well, and there's, there's no finality to those stories as well. Uh, I mean, well, here, here's the thing with that. The, the stories are continuing in other media, and that's a great thing for Star Wars. They're putting it out in books, they're putting it out in comic books, and there's more story to tell, so I think uh, we're never going to get the Clone Wars series back, but I think we're going to get more from that era in different forms. Yeah. And then we should move on. Without Disney, you don't get a Star Wars film every year. You get George Lucas holding on to the properties and saying, oh, I, I think uh, episode seven's coming sometime soon, and then dying. And then it's <laughs> never being made. So D- Disney, Disney owning Lucasfilm is, is good for the same reason that Disney owning Marvel is good, which is they're just like, let's... let's they, they realize that the way to make a lot of money in general, even though that property is done, is to let talented filmmakers make <coughs> good things. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. We're going to go on to the next person. Try to get as many people in. Uh, what is your name and grievance? Um, Jake, and this is going to be hard primarily because Christmas episode. Okay. Okay, so the, the Star Wars holiday special. Okay, so first it is not canonical, so you can just say that that didn't happen. So that's, that's a, are you keeping track of how many? <laughs> so you can just say it didn't happen. Uh, we know that uh, drugs exist in the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> there is spice, there is death sticks. So you can imagine that this is a time where Obi-Wan Kenobi decided to experiment. He tried a death stick, and this is what he saw in his mind. This was his force vision? <laughs> this was his force vision. He was... <laughs> Alone on Tatooine board. Uh, any other quick... Uh, I, I would just say, it's not canonical like you said, but what that does have for you is it has B. Arthur. And what's, what's the Carol Burnett guy? Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman. And Art so, Carney. And, and, and for that alone, 
It'll always have a special place in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> can, yeah, B. Arthur just remain canonical and we can forgive the rest? Yes. Yes. Somebody had to own that cantina. <laughs> uh, I, I will also say that the Star Wars holiday special is one of the great works of comedy, unintentional comedy, <laughs> that, it, that exists. And um, as it is, a landmark, uh, it is a landmark, even though it's non-canonical, in that it introduced Boba Fett. It was mm-hmm. the first appearance of Boba Fett in the animated short. You might not have made it that far. Yeah. I understand. Just go watch, like, the opening credits, then skip to Boba Fett, and, and it'll be great. Yeah. Oh, and you have to always watch B. Arthur. Always. Always. But B. Or- Arthur is your choice. Let's move on to the next question. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Name and grievance, please. <laughs> but something that's been bothering me is it, now that it's done, I kind of want it to just rest, and they don't allow that to happen because they keep teasing you, like, oh, well, maybe this character's coming back, or maybe this one's coming back. So, for example, in this upcoming season of Rebels, for those who haven't watched the trailer yet, Great Apple, Thrawn is now going to be canon again. So, I have some non-canon characters I would love to be canon again, but the fact that I can't just let it rest, that I have to constantly be like, will they bring this one back? Oh, why not yet? What about, no? So, how can I settle my discomfort and pain over the fact that I cannot just let it rest, and I'm constantly wondering if Mara Jade, for example, will become canon again? Yeah. Uh, Well, I think that I think that there... There, you should be able to hope. Uh, Star Wars is all about hope. So if you can change the, like, the suffering and the angst and the longing to just staring off into the distance, into the horizon, <laughs> at the twin sons named Mara and Jade. Ah, nailing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think it sounds like just like an emotional thing. We're like, okay, I'm not going to let them manipulate me because I think they are doing a little bit of that, of like, look, guys, the legend, it's legends, just forget about it. Except for that one. So I think there is definitely, they, they are manipulating fans uh, uh, in a way. And I think just trying to be aware of like, I'm not going to let the mouse play me. I'm going to come at this in my own emotional way and just say, I hope it happens this way, but if it doesn't, that's the will of the force. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on that? I, I would just say, it's, it's look at it as a pleasant bonus rather than, look, if I, I lost a series of goldfish as a child, if I'd gotten one of them back, just all of a sudden, I'd be like, hey, free goldfish. <laughs> Instead of going, I wish that they would stop playing with me because Inky was my favorite fish and isn't back yet. It's more like may- maybe they'll show up, and it shows... My toilet bowl is magic. Yeah. It, it shows that they're not, uh, they're not just looking to throw it away, but it was such a huge mess, and nobody really knew what was and wasn't canon that the fact that they're actually establishing that is a good thing, and it doesn't, doesn't mean everything that's legends can't be canon, which, I, which well, that's actually positive. Exist. Yeah, yeah. So did that help a little bit? From a certain point of view. Yeah! Thank you so much. Uh, name and grievance? Uh, my name is Gavin. Um, I guess I'll start with a broad grievance and narrow it down. Force Awakens. That's the broad grievance. Okay. <laughs> the narrow down grievance is that I just I don't think they really have any understanding for like the diehard Star Wars fans out there, the fact that there's nothing continuous within that movie at all. Like for example, Finn to be able to hold a lightsaber. Okay. Much less battle with one. 
Okay. Uh, have and, you? Well, and the other part is when he fights Kylo Ren, if, if Sith and Jedi didn't put up a force barrier, they'd just be throwing each other around for an entire fight. So the fact that Kylo Ren didn't just immediately go into that, I just I feel like I'm just very disheartened by force awakens in general. Okay. Okay. So I think that for the actual logic of the lightsaber-related battles and the force-related battles, um, I don't think I could be wrong. As always, I don't think there's anything in canon that I that in in current canon about any sort of like force shields. Uh, I think there's. Yeah. In the Darth Bane books are not canon right now. Darth ba- Darth Bane is, but Darth Bane himself is not canon. So I I rarely go to absolute pedantry to try to help somebody. <laughs> but uh, but if that helps you at all, the the, the force shield thing isn't canon. In terms of uh, Finn being able to use the lightsaber, uh, there's a book called Before the Awakening, which is canon, uh, that has uh, three little mini stories about Finn, Poe, and Rey, and it spends a bunch of time talking about Finn's training. And that's a really good read uh, because it's, it's fun to get like a little picture of the characters, but it also has a lot in there about how much they were trained to battle with staffs like the one that uh, we see the other stormtrooper using in The Force Awakens is really basically there to set up that Finn is sort of proficient with that kind of weapon. Also, Finn didn't do real great against Kylo Ren. I mean, I mean, so he's a trained soldier, so he blocks a few blows. The other thing with the Kylo Ren logic is Kylo Ren is not doing well. He is bleeding. He is hurt. He is not at all focused. You know, you're supposed to be focused when you're fighting. He is uh, angry and petulant and all these things. So those, those are the well, things he, that I think. He's neither a, a Jedi nor a Sith. He's this weird hybrid. Right. We don't know what he is yet. He has no name yet. Uh, any other really quick things? Because I want to get uh, through as much as possible. You guys have any other uh, yeah, quick thoughts? Yeah, very quickly. He's so full of himself and so much wants to be like his grandfather that rather than just throwing somebody around with the Force, he probably would want to chop them up to prove that he's as great with a lightsaber as his grandfather was. But he, as Joseph said, was fighting at a huge disadvantage and still beat, beat one person and almost beat Rey, who we don't know how powerful she is. He was emotionally, emotionally unstable the entire movie by, you know, he was going crazy on the, his ship and everything. So, yeah. you know, folk, you need focus. Yeah. yeah. I hope that helped a little bit. With some of the smaller concerns. Good, excellent. I'll take it. Thank you very much. Name and grievance. many deleted scenes in The Force Awakens uh, where Poe printed up little flyers of <laughs> he covered Nima Outpost uh, and then I also think like if he made it to Nima Outpost and it was like hey guys have you seen the droid and I'm like you mean the droid that was here when this whole outpost got smashed and everything yeah he left in the Millennium Falcon get out of here so does that help at all that he could have actually, he could have, there were plenty of eyewitnesses to figure out where BB-8 went. But we don't actually know that he looked for BB-8. No, no, we don't. And he says, I, you know, I woke up and I couldn't 
Well, he's a pilot, not a spy. <laughs> he is, and he's well known, so he's easily recognizable. Like, people know who he is. So the extent to which he could look and find, he's probably better off going, going back and, and grouping up with everybody and getting more resources, which they did. They came in, they came in later on and, and saved them. Okay, so I was supposed to assume that when he hooked up with Ben, that was going to be the person who was going to do that so he can hide in the background. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good, good. I just want to say going to the outpost pinkos to print up his flyers. <laughs> I think that was a particularly good accomplishment, Hal, be, uh, because uh, our, our kind person who just asked this question has a T-shirt that just says no. <laughs> <laughs> so to get a yes is great. Your name and grievance. Do you mean in real life or when portraying Han Solo? Mostly in real life. Occasionally it slips through like he's trying to act, but like the overwhelming power of his rage. Inching forward a little bit. Well, you'd probably want to smother Luke a couple of times in the first film, too. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you that Harrison Ford can be beautifully grumpy in real life. Uh, which made his sudden uh, uh, real investment in Star Wars and being so willing to be so uh, positive and talk about it so much just delightful. Because he's like, wow, what the hell happened to you, man? Uh, uh, but I, I don't... I, I, I'm having a hard time aligning with the problem because I like seeing a, a few fa flashes of grumpy from Han. Because, uh, you know, in order to tell the tale of the cynical rogue, we need to see a little bit of that cynical rogue so he has a little bit of a place to go for redemption. Is there a specific scene or shot where you're like, you're not acting, you're just mad now? You know, not really. Uh, I think pointing out that that poor part of his character really helped me a lot. Awesome. Thank well, thank you very much. <laughs> Name and grievance. Yeah, this is great, because there's just a canonical answer. Uh, right. Well, when I was very young inside, I thought, wow, lightsabers make people disappear. Weird. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so, so, uh, so this is all kind of laid out in canon in, in bits and pieces. So the, when Obi-Wan Kenobi says, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine, what he means is he's going to be able to uh, maintain his identity within the Force. So the idea is when you die, you become one with the Force, everybody says. But what they mean by that is just like, you're just kind of floating around, but the idea that you can still be yourself and appear to people and speak to people, uh, that's what Qui-Gon is uh, discovering at the, uh, tells Yoda he is, Yoda says, I've heard from Qui-Gon from beyond the veil. So when, uh, in the years between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda are meditating and they are learning how to uh, become one with the Force. So when he is uh, killed, his body disappears because he's learned this new way of entering the afterlife. And that's why Yoda disappears as well. Okay. And that's why Qui-Gon doesn't, because he hasn't figured it out yet. And they also elect to die. Interesting. Okay. Obi-Wan goes like this and allows himself to be hit. Right. And Yoda just gives, like, he's, he's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done being alive. Now I'm going to the next phase. 900 and I'm out. Map, yeah. I will. Thank you very much. He set a goal. Yeah. yeah. Yay. Name and grievance. 
Okay, so those are a lot of there's a lot of questions in there. Uh, uh, I hope that Kylo Ren still remains a little moody because I like a different take on the character. But yes, I think he's going to become more threatening. I think the next movies are going to become very much more experimental, much more weird. You know, we were, I was talking about the old versus the new and that balance. I think we're going to get a lot more new. We've been hearing that already from the set. Uh, we know that uh, it has been announced that we are starting with the scene of Luke and Rey continuing right from when we left off. That's already shockingly new to Star Wars. We always jump forward in time. And somehow or another, we're not going to. So we already know that Ada is going to do some crazy breaking of standard Star Wars rules. In terms of The Force Awakens, the checklist, I think absolutely they did a lot of uh, ticking the box. I think there's a perspective of wanting to do that because they want to reintroduce people to the classic trilogy vibe. They want to reinvigorate uh, this franchise, want to make it feel like coming home and like every like there's a lot of familiar interesting things and i think that uh, when you you concentrate too much on the checklist you can ignore all of the really great new things they did the characters whether you like them or not kylo ren is a brand new character he's not a darth vader copy at all because he is a whiny moody teenager right uh ray is a different character than we've seen poe is a different character than we've seen bb8 could have just been a carbon copy of r2d2 so i think anytime that you feel bad that they did repeat a lot of things try to focus on all of the new things that they did bring and believe that they're going to bring even more new things in the future. That's a really good answer. Oh, thank you. Uh, next question. Hello, Matt Sewell. Hi. I know you. Um, this is my favorite more general. Um, I was living my life. <laughs> Are you going to sing a song? This sounds like the beginning of a musical. Okay. And now, things are just different for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it like Sam? Uh, <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's, Hayden gets everywhere. It's just, um, it just hurts a little bit. So, if you could, I'll take your answer off there. Okay, so your grievance says that you did not enjoy Hayden Christensen's performance as Anakin Skywalker. I don't even know where you find someone that bad. <laughs> Like, if there was a line of, like, an American... Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, no, all right. Justin Peter, then he, Yeah, okay. Yeah, a little, we're ready. We're going to try. That's a good, good question, Matt. Thank you. And well said. Uh, Hal, you want to jump in? Yeah, I'd like to, uh, to, to say this is not a blameless crime. First of all, hi, Matt. How you doing? Um, the blame lies in George Lucas. Has anybody here ever enjoyed one of Natalie Portman's performances in a film that is not Star Wars? Raise your hand. How many people enjoyed what she did in the prequels? Yeah, who was her director? Joseph, put your hand down. You're embarrassing me on this panel. Um, I think that he directs people. Hayden Christensen is not a bad actor. He has done other work that is decent work. But I think that George Lucas is not a, a director of people. He's a director of... Uh, he's a technical wizard. He knows how to create something that is visually interesting. So he tends to just be like, do it again, but faster. Or, you know, he's not giving them heavy emotional stuff. His scripts, his scripts, <laughs> yeah. He's a better broad story conceptual guy than he is writing dialogue. 
I mean, the, if you really look at A New Hope in terms of the dialogue and some of the performances, they're not great, but it is a landmark film and the, the wonder of it overcomes those things. So to blame him, uh, it, to me, is incorrect. I think it is, it, is, it is a George Lucas problem. Okay, Audrey, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, uh, wait, wait, he said? No, uh, on the general complaint. Uh, uh, of Hayden Christensen? Yeah, do you have anything that would make Matt feel better about Hayden Christensen's performance? Um, I agree with what Hal said. You know, I have seen his other work, and it is good, and it's, it's no secret. Everything that Hal just said, that, that George Lucas is probably not the best as an actor, and as you guys are actors as well, I don't think he's the best actor's, actor's director. And the thing is, Hayden wasn't, um, his growth as an actor wasn't much at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd probably be better now. But um, I think the thing that you need to do, Matt, is, is accept it because it was important to further the story to see what happened to Anakin. He's not your favorite, but just, yeah, you have to accept it and move on. Yeah. <laughs> accept it and move on. Yeah, I think... Okay. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I have something to say real quick, and then we're gonna move on because this hurts me. Uh, so I think uh, Hayden made some bad choices. Uh, this is my favorite Hayden story: is that he allegedly went to George Lucas, like, "Hey, I was thinking how like Darth Vader like talks like in his slow kind of monotone way. Should I talk that way?" And George's like, "Sure." I'm like, no. <laughs> so proof uh, of the bad choices. I think that he has some really great moments uh, where he is petulant. I think you can, ex- uh, you can uh, explain away some of the awkward romance because also the Jedi don't train them <laughs> how, how to meet girls. So he's like, Milady, Sand? I don't know. I asked Obi-Wan. Yeah, and hyperbole. Yeah, and also the beauty of the Clone Wars animated series, we get to meet uh, the the exactly right balanced Anakin where he has anger, but he's really nice, so you can just imagine the movie versions are we're, we're just seeing always angry Anakin. All right, uh, next question. My name is Joel and Midichlorians. Okay. Okay. So here's my thing uh, to, to counteract the midichlorians a little bit. So, A, it's coming from Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, so you can... And he's got a different perspective on the Force. He believes in the living Force. Uh, he goes all, on and on about that. He's kind of on the outside of, of the Jedi. He believes different things. So you can just kind of say, like, this is the thing that Qui-Gon's all about. That's, that's his baggage. The other thing is uh, people don't like it because they say, well, now it's just like uh, it's, it's a bloodstream thing. Now it's just like it's just scientific what a Jedi is. And like, oh, yeah, it's a little bit more of a scientific explanation. But when you actually break it down, uh, saying that there are little sentient beings in your blood that speak to a strange force, this strange force has an opinion, and it tells you what to do with your body. Science! <laughs> It's still not good science. It's just passing the buck. So I understand that it's annoying, but I, for me, I feel like it's pretty easy to ignore. Of just like it's just adding another layer, and if you don't like it, you can just ignore it because it doesn't affect the story like at all. Christmas special over again. <laughs> <laughs> nice, my friend. Qui Gon was also big on homeopathy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't mind the midi because Qui Gon introduced them, and anything Qui Gon introduces. Just fine with me. Have I made it clear that I am in love with Qui-Gon and my cousins right there? He has a... <laughs> Qui-Gon has a certain set of skills, for sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> and name and grievance. Hi, my name is Morgan, and I am deeply and profoundly ashamed of the crush that I have on Kyle Ren. And I can't believe you guys can make it. I'm sure you guys can make it up to him, because frankly, I 
This is why evil people don't usually have great hair. Because it's the hair, right? I mean, the hair puts you over the top, right? Uh, left. Uh, so just uh, imagine that uh, he has horrible hair. Imagine <laughs> that his hair is as ugly as his inside. And then you'll say, I don't need, I, I can't change him. I don't want to date him. He's not worth my time. It's, I just want to date his hair. <laughs> I can find somebody with good hair and a good heart. Anything else to add quickly? We got it. I can't be good here, good heart. Yeah, do, do what makes you happy, but make sure it's because it makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Name and grievance. Uh, yeah, I think there, there are a couple different ways that you can take that. Uh, you can imagine that Obi-Wan Kenobi is bullshitting Luke. <laughs> so that when stormtroopers fire at Luke and they miss him, he's like, I am really strong in the force. <laughs> uh, you guys have any, anything for this? Uh, they're, uh, they're probably pretty precise when nobody's firing back at them. <laughs> Yeah, I also think like you can be like canonical about it, uh, and they have started to introduce this idea that the clone troopers were actually really better, and the the emperor is just hiring a bunch of just we, any any old guy who wants a job. Throw on some armor. Here's a blaster. You're not really being trained well. It's more about numbers and intimidation than it is about actual skill. So Obi Wan could just be wrong of like I haven't dealt with a stormtrooper. Back when they're clone troopers, they were really good, and now he he doesn't he hasn't left Tatooine, he doesn't know, like, oh, they suck now. <laughs> uh, does that help a little bit? Excellent. <laughs> name and grievance. Uh, hi, guys, my name is Greg, and uh, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> hi, Greg. I can help with that. Uh, Uh, there is, yes. I will say one thing. Mm -hmm. I would instantly feel better about my entire life if I could get maybe an apple pie from house. Oh, let's solve this one real quick. Okay. Apple pie! Yay! We have five minutes left, uh, and I can also help you. It is, it's buried in books, in comics and that, but there is the, the canonical uh, uh, explanation, whether you like it or not, that as soon as the Empire takes over, or the Empire takes over, when the evil things that the Empire does is they just start using and abusing things. So they start uh, uh, taking all of the resources out of planets. They start taking money away from people so people can't afford nice things, and they basically just start running the galaxy into poor shape. So everything that isn't personally owned by the Empire sucks. It became North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fast way. Okay, I think we can take like two more. So, uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> Matt, Hatter. Matt, Matt Hatter. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm sorry. What was the what was the first thing? I was feeling guilty about uh, getting your costume wrong.
gets that really easily because he's like over here and then you just kind of. But if he's spinning it a lot, but yeah. he can scare away anyone that doesn't know that it's going to be very effective. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, again, going back to Kylo Ren's deficiencies in that fight, I think uh, if he hadn't uh, just been shot in the gut by Chewbacca, who means a lot to him because he just murdered his father, uh, that he'd be a little bit more on point. And I think there is also a matter of just like the sort of uh, the anger. You're supposed to be focused. There's a lot of text that says anger focus you, focuses you. That's one of the points of, of using it. And I, but I, and I think he isn't doing that. I don't think he's being a good dark Jedi at that point. I think he's just being a sloppy person. And I think he's throwing a tantrum. You know, you know the thing when like you get so mad that you just like can't do a thing right? Like I have this sometimes where like I'm running late and I can't open doors. And, like, the more mad I am, of like, it's just a door. I should be able to open it. <laughs> and I think that's exactly what's happening. He's like, this is going to be so easy. <laughs> that's my take. Does that help a little bit? Okay, last question. Okay. This is amazing that it took this long. Personally, I think is awesome. Uh, my Dello fella gets, as he says, uh, because uh, it makes him, instead of just like this uh, bumbling, annoying cartoon character, it makes him into this weird, tragic Shakespearean idiot. <laughs> and I think there is some actual commentary there from George Lucas of the, the, the character that you thought was useless, pointless, has no effect on anything, has this huge effect on the galaxy. And I think there's a little bit of like making the character tragic, and I think there's a little bit of George Lucas's uh, sort of uh, uh, idea of everybody can have an impact, everybody can make a change. And Jar Jar, uh, he, we see him literally step in poop, and then he puts poop all over the galaxy. So, so is he Lucas's fall staff? <laughs> Yes, he's Falstaff. Exactly. Shakespearean. Uh, any final thoughts? This is our last question. We've got to wrap up. No, your answer is better than I can. <laughs> yeah, I hate that fucking guy. <laughs> okay, I'm tempted to end it there, but that's pretty negative. Okay, uh, I'll say this. I'll say this. I mean, what you said was uh, very grand. I was like, oh, that really actually helps me too. But my excuse for Jar Jar is because, I, like I said, I saw the original trilogy in the theaters. I was that. I was a kid. And, um... So when we brought my, our daughter to see the prequel trilogy, and I remember just hating Jar Jar Binks. I just hated him so much that I looked around the theater and all the kids were laughing. And I'm like, oh, he's my 3PO and R2-D2. Because um, that's what this is for the kids, is how I saw it. Okay, this is really connecting. My daughter loved him. We walked out. Brian and I were just like, oh, God, that was so annoying. And she was like, I love Jar Jar Binks. So I think... You know, it was for the kids. Yes. Yeah, he lured the children to the good side. And, uh, sorry, this does, destroy the galaxy. Uh, this does bring it back to Obi-Wan, but when I showed my wife the prequels, 
the things she liked about them the most were the things I didn't like, but it brought her into Star Wars. So your opinion is not the only opinion, and by embracing everybody's point of view, you'll always be at more at peace with anything. So Jar Jar is the best character from a certain point of view. <laughs> Thank you very much. That is our panel. Ken Plume, Audrey Kearns, Hal Loveland, thank you all very much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.